All right, welcome to probably, oh, we called this the review show. I guess let's call it the review show, but it's kind of <laughs> taken a life of its own. Um, we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, last week, I had some interviews. I recorded, we had um, a guy from Grace Bomb Ministries talking about his ministry. and We had reporters from the Columbus Dispatch and uh, Canton Repository on. Now we, we're coming back, and I got Paul and Joe with me. We've got quite the show planned for you. Um, Dan it seems Keel, like all we ever do is something different. Yes. <laughs> what well, makes it fun? <laughs> Sometimes the best podcasts are like that. So let me tell you what's coming up, because our first guest could be on a minute now. Uh, we have from the state of Ohio, um, he's been on the past, Dan Tierney. He's the press secretary for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. Um, and he's going to come over. We're going to have fun. Uh, this isn't going to be meet the press or anything. Um, Ohio has their fourth Vaximillion contest this weekend, and I've been talking Vaximillion with Paul and Joe nonstop. And I want to get one of the guys who's behind it, who knows what's happening. Um, Dan Tierney, the press secretary for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, will be on. And then a little bit later on, uh, from Mount Vernon Nazarene University, uh, Tavares Taylor, um, he works with Multicultural Studies, and he's going to talk about some of the issues happening with race and how we can respond as Christians to that. So, Paul and Joe, you're nervous, but thank you for being part of the journey. It's going to be fun. You know, you said you Let's wanted to band the, back together. That's yeah. right. It's actually been a little while since <laughs> we've all been together. Yes. You said you wanted to keep it light with... Uh, uh, with with Dan and I'm over here studying about Senate Bill 27 that authorizes the state government employing authority to automatically enroll new employees in the deferred compensation program. Oh, and I've been reading this thing for days now, and I still don't understand. Okay, well we're going to keep it. Uh, I'm just over here. I've been, I've been reading that sentence for minutes now. Let me. That's the truth. I've been reading that sentence for minutes now. Well, we're going to keep it light. Is that advocate, like is he? Mr. Press Secretary, Mr. Secretary. I call him Dan. I don't know. Maybe Mr. Press. Uh, no, no, I call him Dan. No, he's a good guy. We're, we're looking forward to having him on. And then, Dan hey, Press. we are going to talk about the Steelers at the end. Um, talk about some of the stuff happened. There's actually some Steelers news. Nothing to put your socks off, but there's Steelers news. Oh, the Man Up Conference, yes. We, we need to mention that, too. We, we are trying to go somebody from the Man Up Conference for a, a Steelers, upcoming Steelers show, too. Uh, Paul, definitely uh, talk about that when we get around to the Steelers uh, part of our podcast. Um, it was interesting. I played booking agent today. I was trying, well, actually over the weekend, trying to get some people on the podcast. And we reached out to a lot of people. Um, and you never know. They may show up. Um, Kevin Cedar is one of them. He interesting guy. He's from Cleveland. Um, he actually applied for a job as a video editor, and he hired a bunch of Cleveland celebrities through Cameo to support him. So Joe Thomas, longtime tackle for the Browns, uh, mm -hmm. Josh Cribbs, the kick returner for the Browns. He had Omar Fiskell, you know, the longtime shortstop oh, champions. Omar. He had um, Roger Davis. Um, not as well known, but you remember he was the guy who hit the home run uh, for the Indians yeah. high up game seven against the Cubs. And it was funny. He actually made asked them to say great things about him. He had Mel Kuyper on from ESPN. So he paid off all these guys for cameos 
and they talked about how wonderful he was. Well, he didn't get the job. Tells you what the Browns would do. You know what I mean? I mean, if Joe Conley tells you to hire you, why wouldn't the Browns do that? I know it's a cameo. I know you just say goofy things like cameo. But doesn't Joe Thomas have but some in the Browns organization? And, and isn't that the exact same as any endorsement that any celebrity gives to anybody? You're just paying them money to to uh, say nice things about the product. Yeah, so it's not I really like any to, different. But I wonder. <laughs> I mean, there's companies where you work at where there's legends in the company, right? You know, mm-hmm. if the former CEO or some retired official of the company comes back and starts saying, hire him, hire him. You got to listen. I mean, this guy's... Unless everybody great. hated that guy. Oh, so you think I'm going to hate Joe Thomas? I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Or, Joe, or I was trying to suggest great. that Shaquille O'Neal doesn't think the general's the best insurance out there. I'm, I'm a little I, shook by that. Yeah. Well, I think he probably genuinely does after all. so many people seem to have not wanted him to sit at their table or... You know, ostracized him in other ways, as all of those ads, which are 100% accurate, have told us. Uh, then, yeah, I think he genuinely believes in the general <laughs> in ways that no other celebrity might fully believe in that product. Well, you gotta think Shaq's a big Papa John's fan. I mean, you know, I mean, do you Is think he, though? Sha- I'm questioning everything. I, I think they're. I think Papa John's is just desperate to have somebody other than the actual owner of Papa John's be the face of the company for a while. <laughs> but I wonder if you're Shaquille O'Neal, do you have to at least stomach Papa John's? I'm not thinking that you know. Papa I John's like Papa John's. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> you would think that if you're Shaq, you would have to have some appreciation of pizza before you throw your name behind it. You think? I feel like that's a big enough. What? campaign and a big enough company that that might be true but there's going to be a lot of smaller campaigns or whatever that he might have been a part of at some point that he does have no idea what the product is paul you're a pastor is he allowed to eat non-papa john's pizza is he like bound by contract to forever papa john's i think he would probably i think there's probably language in some contract that he's not allowed to publicly say how much he likes some other type of pizza he can eat what he wants but he can't like then go to, order go to a, yeah he can't go to like another pizzeria or something and then do a an ad campaign about how much he likes that other pizza like wait what he could probably do a different type of food tacos well, is it like a don't ask, don't tell, where, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm not referring to the other stuff. I mean, hey, as long as he eats that pizza in his own house, no one can see, the, you know, should that be Jack, have you ever had Pizza Hut? I cannot confirm or deny. I cannot yeah. confirm or deny by partaking of the, of the hut. Right, because he's doing it in his own house. You know, he's not doing it in front of people. Right. I don't know. Well, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying that he probably then can't do a public appearance and then have it be sponsored by some other pizza company. And at that point, why would you? You have Papa John's on a string. So I would say, what if, too, what if the oh. Pizza Hut delivery guy takes a selfie with the Pizza Hut box in front of Shaq's house? Yeah, man. Posted it all over do that. media. Oh man! But how would honestly? I wouldn't know if it was Shaq's house, unless Shaq has like billboards and stuff on the side of his house that says, (laughs) "This is Shaq's house." 
I read you know, and I, I wouldn't put it past him. Like, I'm not judging. That's great if that's what you want to do. But I just have this feeling it would just look like any other Florida mansion that I have ever seen. I read something that when his first house in Orlando, when he was just a magic, he had like a big Superman logo at the top. I mean, I don't know. It's very tough. Well, let's, wouldn't, put, yeah. let's put that conversation on hold for a second because we are excited <laughs> to have Let's Dan not. Tierney let's just leave us. it behind. <laughs> uh, Dan, press secretary for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. Hey, Dan, thanks for coming on. How are you today? Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, sounds like I entered at a good time in the conversation. Well, you really we, did. As, as we were waiting for you, we were talking about <laughs> us. about like Shaq. Yeah, let's get your opinion on this. Um, <laughs> Shaq is endorser of Papa John's. Do you think Shaq has to eat Papa John's, or do you think Shaq really likes Papa John's to be endorsed or Papa John's? Yeah, I think it's probably both. I mean, if you're a investor, uh, you know, most people who invest in something like in a franchise do believe in the product. They do. They do like the product. You know, I've got a good friend who owns uh, several Burger King franchises in uh, the Illinois, Indiana area. He also uh, previously invested in uh, Steak and Shake franchises, and he, knowing that type of uh, entrepreneur, you know, he believed in both of those products. You know, he'd go to bat if you were a Wendy's guy or a McDonald's guy. He'd go to back with Burger King or Steak and Shake over you. So. Yeah. The, uh, so I think there's got to be some of that. And plus, you know, of, of course, you know, the uh, there's also the aspect of, uh, um, yeah, I don't know what access he has to corporate discounts, but, you know, <laughs> you know, knowing how expensive yeah. pizza can be, you know, the, uh, that could probably be an attractive uh, uh, aspect. I know when I was in uh, college, uh, Papa John's at Ashland University, the, the Ashland Papa John's, you know, was giving away the AU special for, uh, you know, large one topping for $6.99. That certainly influenced nice. us we were buying from them or another uh, pizza chain. That's well, right. I, I would imagine if you're the franchise owner too, you could just say, "Hey, you can probably take a pizza or two home with you." I'd imagine because it's your profit. Well, and and I I have a friend who's a, a different uh, person who uh, who owns McDonald's franchises in the in the Southwest, and uh, you know the uh, whenever we're around, you know they'll offer to you know certainly buy McDonald's because not only does he get a discount, but that also goes back into the company, and uh, you know the. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know what stock options there are, but certainly the uh, you know there are there are benefits to supporting your own business. So very good. Don't Absolutely. you wish this was the hardest question you would face from the media all day? But but hey, but it's a fun time. I mean, I know we're still in COVID and we can't say fun and COVID at the same time, but I, I gotta say, you know, a big thank you because when Governor DeWine announced Vaximillion. I mean, hey, we're seeing that it's adding more people who are vaccinated in Ohio, which is a good thing. But it's definitely great for podcasters and the media. It gives <laughs> so much to talk about. How, how's it been for you since this has been announced? And what 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 was your response when you first heard about this? Because as a press secretary, you're like, wow, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of calls about this. Well, the uh, when when the governor first put it out, you know, there you'll. Yeah, you know, there certainly were not incentives of this scale. You know, we we heard about you know a shot in a beer out in the East Coast and a few other smaller things, but certainly nothing at the scale of you could win a million dollars or you could get your uh, your college paid for for the, for the next four years. So the uh, you know the governor wanted to you know you know, as he said he he took a gamble because uh, we needed to. Uh, you know, hit that next group of people. You know, there's certainly a lot of people who wanted to get the vaccine right away, which is great. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, 
on the other side who we know <laughs> we cannot convince to get the vaccine, which yeah. that's their choice. But uh, but you know, we, we do know that there's a you know in polling you know across the the, the COVID aspect there's there's just that solid group of people that they're going to be a solid no. But that leaves you know kind of the middle, which lefts two groups of people. One uh, group is kind of yeah you know, they're on the fence. They want to look at you know you know things long term. Yeah, that's their choice. You know the so they're they're not you know immediately sold on it, but they're not closed to it either. And then you got people who are also. You know, I'm kind of, uh, I, I am going to get about waiting for whatever reason. I mean, we are a lot of reasons. You know, uh, one common one we heard when Vaximillion started was uh, just because the timing of it. Uh, you know, I wanted to wait till finals was done. We heard that from high school students and, and college mm -hmm. students. Yeah, you know, I want, I don't, I didn't want to get sick during finals. You know, the, you know, people are aware that, you know, there's a chance you kind of do feel off, get maybe have some flu-like symptoms, especially after the second shot, if you're taking the two shot. Um, the, you know, we heard, you know, and, all sorts of things. Yeah, we got a vacation coming up. Wanted to wait till after yeah. that. Yeah, and it was what uh, wanted. Uh, yeah, I got a wedding coming up, and it was largely people that they didn't want. That they wanted to avoid some side effects, and so this certainly puts uh, people's money where their mouth is. Well, would I wouldn't get that vaccine right now for a million dollars? Well, <laughs> this really does put the question in in those terms. The, uh, yeah, you got to balance those things when a million dollars is at stake. Yeah. So in in. Uh, in, so in in very much uh, real terms, I think there were a lot of people who's this moved up their timeline that yeah you know, that and and we think that it's a lot of people who would have done it later in the summer and moved them to earlier in the summer and that is just you know it's certainly valuable to get our vaccination rate up for you know we want to get closer to herd immunity you know and, and we're seeing that work you know with the cases that you know they're finally below the CDC levels for you know what's moderately high. Uh, you know, the, the, the figures we were using on the color-coded map back last year, the, uh, the, the states below that. But now, you know, you know so we, we've got that aspect to it. But having those people get it now as opposed to September or August or, you know, waiting till the end of summer, that means that they're not going to get sick and they don't, they're not going to transmit it to somebody else. So the having it early amongst that group uh, is an added bonus and is just as important as having people uh, if, who are eventually going to get it, get it down the road. So the uh, so the increase in percentage is important, but also having that high percentage earlier is important to the state as well. You know what we know about you know you know vaccines is that you know the when you get to a you know, certain high enough rate, it might not be herd immunity, but you're not having a widespread across large geographic areas. You can keep outbreaks more isolated. Uh, so that that's a benefit. Obviously, we want to get to the goal where we have herd immunity, that we can knock this thing down to a disease of the past, like you know, polio, measles, all the other things that we know we've got childhood vaccines for. Uh, you know, you, 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 we're you know we're all middle aged crowd on, on this podcast, so we remember getting chicken pox as a kid. Yeah, you know, that's something that my kids don't have to worry about now because yeah. there's a vaccine, right. even though that one was a fairly mild childhood illness. For most people, the uh, yeah, that's where we want to get COVID. Is yeah, you know, the where, where older people have a memory of it, and younger people, it's just that it's the name of the vaccine. <laughs> they get it at some point in their lives. So, the uh, that that's where we want to get things. And the the bottom line is, Vaximillion. When uh, we implemented it, it uh, Ohio was going down like the rest of the country, um, and Ohio was the only state shooting up when we announced it. You know, some people say, hey, that was the twelve to uh, 15 year olds were just able to get it that week, but we looked at the data and 16 and up, we saw, you know, a, uh, a 
sh proverbial shot in the arm in, in terms of vaccination rates going up in there. So they were very good the first two weeks. Uh, Memorial Day kind of made it harder to look at, but I think what we've seen since then is that a lot of rural counties especially have continued to to see increase. And they had a, there were, and certainly in counties where there was a lot of room to grow because maybe their vaccination rates were a little bit less than, than other areas of Ohio, uh, Vaximillion has continued to show growth in those counties. Very good. It's interesting. The two guys I have with me today, Joe and Paul, they're both Ohio natives, so they qualify. But their states <laughs> they're currently living in are going through different stages. Um, you know, Paul's in Pennsylvania. Um, from what he was saying, you said 70%, Paul? You said it was pretty high over there. I, th I think that's the number I heard. But I was just thinking when I got my vaccine, I got a button and a little tube of hand sanitizer. And I don't know if the governor would be you know, consider if for the people who are kind of on the fence and the million bucks isn't enough, uh, maybe the button and a little tube of hand sanitizer could push them over the edge. Yeah. Well, we, 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 the governor does continue to look at, uh, uh, you know, other types of incentives. Uh, you know, we're certainly committed to seeing back a million through, but I know uh, what was actually interesting as well is we saw uh, corporations and other entities independently look at doing their own, uh, incentives as a result of Maximilian Kroger did their own uh, incentive campaign independent mm -hmm. was going on uh, you know other little places got on board as well I also think you hit it off right at the the top of it is that the uh, I think I don't think this was intended but it uh, certainly is welcome people started talking about vaccines in a more positive way I mean you know the pandemic is not a fun thing for right. anybody right. Um, Certainly not fun to talk about, but Vaximillion certainly got everybody talking. I got everybody talking about getting vaccines in a positive way, regardless of where you were in that process. That the uh, hey, this is uh, you know, I could win a million bucks, or you know, my kid could win a college scholarship, or you know, my class, but you know, me or my classmates could win a college scholarship, and it got people talking about vaccines in a way that was not solely about you know how quickly can we get you know uh wasn't about health orders wasn't about uh death rates or hospitalization rates it was finally it's talking about it in a way that was positive and fun for a lot of people and i think that actually was a benefit as well it wasn't uh, uh you know covid could be more doom and gloom than anything else at times and vaccinillion was a way mm -hmm. to talk about getting the vaccine in a way that was uh positive as opposed to more negative and I'm shocked here in Ohio, more companies aren't offering things because, you, you know, I work with the Columbus Dispatch and Cincinnati Inquirer, and anytime anybody's announcing anything, we're writing about it. And I used to be in PR, Dan. I, I'm Man, if you're in PR for a company, why don't you go into your CEO and say, look, no matter what you may feel about the vaccines, if we offer something to our customers, we'll get a ton of great press from papers all over Ohio. I'm surprised more haven't taken advantage of that. And certainly, we've reached out uh, to companies, and uh, the uh, we're we're very pleased at you know the the willingness of uh, 
wide variety of entities and organizations in the state of Ohio to, to help echo the message. Uh, you know, Ohio, we, we tried to open up pretty early after, uh, if you go through the timeline of things, you know, Ohio had to act early because we had the Arnold uh, Classic and yeah. Columbus. And so that's one of the things the governor attributes to acting early. You know, he also read about you know, the, the Spanish flu well before this pandemic started. And one of the lessons he took away from uh, one of the books, he read the, uh, the Great Influenza, was that you know cities that acted early against the Spanish flu opened up quicker and their economic recovery was faster. And yeah. that was a lesson that he took to this pandemic was, well, if we can apply the same rules, you know, to kind of stun it, we'll get out of it faster. And you know, we're seeing that in our in our unemployment numbers and the the economic figures that are showing forth in the state budget. You know, we act we acted early on, you know, not only health protocols, but on uh streamlining and trimming the budget so that we didn't have to, you know, make, we had made tough choices early so we wouldn't have to make tougher choices later on down the road. Uh, but uh, when it came to April, when, you know, the White House, uh, you know, at the end of April was when the White House, you know, stay at home period ended, you know, we worked uh, with business owners at that time to figure out what the protocols should be. So, you know, we worked with restaurant owners to figure out what would make the most sense with restaurants, with manufacturers to make the most sense on the assembly line. And, uh, you know, by and large, it helped number one, make sure that industries were you know more comfortable with what was going on. Uh, it also made it an Ohio, unique Ohio solution. I remember when uh, Texas lifted its protocols and I got calls saying, hey, when I was Ohio gonna lift its 50% restaurant capacity, I was able to say, well, we never had a 50% restaurant yeah. capacity. We just said, you know, you could fit as many tables in, we had, we want you to social distance, but uh, you fit as many people in as you could socially distance and wear masks when they're not actively eating. And, uh, uh, you know, we, so we think we had a more Ohio unique solution by working collaboratively with those groups. So. Uh, and as a result, you know, throughout the pandemic, they've worked with us at, at various stages of, you know, maybe when cases were increasing or cases were decreasing of, uh, uh, of working collaboratively to make sure that we're, uh, uh, we're doing things that, that make sense, aren't arbitrary and uh, would, uh, would help everybody. Because the goal was to make sure, you know, of course, that people could access public accommodations like going to a grocery store, you know, getting food, getting necessary services, getting a haircut without, uh, yeah, and and then also managing how much uh, you know, risk of spread you can do while making sure that people could get those things. You know, we were never into you know house parties and regulating those things, uh, and that that's what the numbers saw. You know, we saw in the when we saw increases in the fall, you know, they were largely related to, to gatherings. They weren't related to people getting groceries or accessing you know retail stores because you know you could get the public accommodations. Uh, you know, safely. And a lot of the spread we saw was more in, you know, private social interactions. Okay. I got one more serious question and some fun questions about the vaccine process. I, you know, we've always been on this show, you know, pro vaccine, pro wear your mask, be careful um, of COVID. Um, I'm kind of wondering, I, I support what the governor's doing with his, Hey, we're lifting the health orders. Um, you know, he was encouraging more people to get the vaccine. He said, hey, that's the best way we could solve this stuff. I, I guess the only question I have in my mind, Dan, is like when we go out, like when I go to church or when I go to the store or everything, do I have, as a fully vaccinated guy, do I have reason to be afraid of that I can't be certain that the person I'm sitting by at the game or sitting by a church or staying by in the store has been fully vaccinated or not. I mean, I, I'm on board with like everything going on. That's the only thing I'm kind of questioning. Have you guys had any complaints about that? Or have you heard 
of things that are happening with that reality in place? Well, I think the message from the CDC, from our Department of Health, from all the experts at all the major hospital systems in Ohio is that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to worry about those situations. The vaccine at, at worst, uh, if you do get COVID again, your, your symptoms are extremely mild and you're certainly uh, very unlikely to go to the hospital and it's 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 100 percent effective at uh at preventing death <laughs> that's essentially what we wanted here i mean everything related to covid was the fact that this was not only in highly infectious but highly deadly yeah. um a lot of the rates we look at a lot of the public debate you know we forget that we're talking about mitigated death rates and you know we saw very early what happened in china what happened in italy when it spread when there were no COVID mitigations because it was emerging and we had no clue what was going on you know we kind of did things early on we realized okay we could probably go less than you know than what what was called the you know stay at home or the lockdown at the time and that's when we opened up and at that point you know basically managing it until we got the vaccine you know it, so it was definitely wasn't a pleasant time for anybody trying to say that, yeah, we got to social distance and wear masks all times. And when you're not, you're at risk of getting it. Uh, you're, you're, well, you're more at risk of getting it. The vaccine really, really made it safe. So the, those types of concerns, Chris, are more for the unvaccinated, you know, worrying about where that person, that because that's when you can get the sick. And of course, the the other part of this too is the the long haulers. You know, that's something yeah. we can't forget about is the the people who, who they do get it. And they've, you know, for whatever reason about this virus, they've just... Uh, they they've had long-term consequences to get it. Yeah, you know, we we yeah. we hope that most people that they, they they get it, you know, survive. And it's just a it's a it, the bad flu that was advertised at this process. But we know that's not the case. That unmitigated people died and people ended up with long-term health consequences. So that's that's why we're promoting the vaccine is because we want people to be able to live their lives normally without fear of that. So the vaccine prevents you from having that fear. And uh, if you don't have the vaccine, that's one reason to get it is so that you yeah. can go about these things with, without having to worry about long-term health consequences for, for yourself or for others that you, you might get sick if you get sick. Okay, let's have some fun questions because I, obviously it's great to get the serious information out there. We want to make sure everyone's protecting this COVID. But you know me, Dan. If I got through an interview, if I asked him silly questions, you'd be like, who is this guy? You know, I know it's Chris <laughs> being the what have you done with Chris Pugh? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, you'd be like, why has Chris Pugh turned into a serious journalist? You know, and it would be, be horrified. So I love the process of Vaximilian. And, you know, uh, Joe and Paul, they're Ohio natives but they're, they're not eligible. And, you know, sadly, Dan, Joe's in an area, he's in Mississippi, and he was saying it was like 29% vaccinated down there. And we're happy to hear Joe's vaccinated, but it's tough. So, you know, Dan, we gotta, you got to call your friends in Mississippi and see if, if they'll do uh, a vaccine or something to help out down there. But I wanted to ask about the process. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Paul and Joe, if you have any questions, feel free to jump in when you can. But so – we draw the name for the Vaximillion, the million-dollar winner and the kid that wins the scholarship. That's drawn – is that noon on Mondays? Am I hearing yeah, that right? It's, it's done after the midday lottery draw. So okay. the, 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 the Ohio lottery draw, we draw some of the live drawings uh, uh, at midday. And uh, so we do this right after that, uh, partially for integrity purposes because – 
all Ohio lottery drawings are verified by the Ohio Auditor of State. You know, that's what that office does. Is it verifies the integrity of state records and finances and documents. So they, so they watch this. Um, the state has a uh, specific computer and computer system that's, you know, what, what's called a random number generator, which is exactly that. It, uh, you know, each of the entry pools there, each person in there is assigned you know, one through whatever the number is. In the case of the adults, it's, you know, you know, more than 3 million. And so we tell the computer what the the max number is, and it gives us a number between one and that number. Uh, and uh, then we identify that. And uh, uh, same with the, uh, the the adults. So it's, uh, so it's uh, not, uh, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, think of it like the NBA draft lottery. Yeah. yeah, back in the day, the remember the first NBA draft lottery, they had thirteen envelopes. Then, uh, you know, David Stern was spinning <laughs> the 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 bat of the envelopes, and they picked them out. Uh, I remember when going back to Shaq, when Shaq was picked by the the Magic, uh, they had the most ping pong balls, and then the next year they won the lottery again with one ping pong ball, and they actually brought out the ping pong ball after the fact. Uh, when LeBron went to the Cavs. <laughs> The uh, instead of the blue ping pong ball that's at Orlando Magic, like there, you know, it was actually a, a series of numbers, and you heard, you read the stories after the fact where <clears throat> uh, uh, the uh, general manager of the Cavs he knew what his range of numbers was, and so when he saw those four number combinations come up his way, and seeing that uh, they got LeBron or they got uh, later on when they won the the lottery uh, against all odds and, and during the Andrew Wiggins year where they picked that and then traded for Kevin Love. The, uh, mm-hmm. So the, yeah, the, uh, the, the lottery we on see on TV there, the NBA draft lottery was like that at one point, but now it's more random numbers. And that's kind of where this, this lottery is, which is why we don't show it live on TV because pressing a button kind of like the prosecutors do with the jury pool. It's <laughs> yeah, it, not as dry as that. It's much more fun to say that, you know, uh, that this, yeah, that this Ohio and won a million dollars. And you can't be accused of the cold envelope like the Knicks were accused of when they got right. Patrick Ewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be tough. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing I would do to change again, this is crispy suggesting, so you know, take it for what it's worth. I think it'd be fun because you guys pick a hundred names, right, and then you kind of go for that list to see who's vaccinated or not, right? Yeah, so we have the 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 first. We do have alternates in case there's an issue with the first person uh, drawn. To my knowledge, that has not been the case. I think one of the things we did, uh, you know, we, we the governor did announce it, and then a few days later, we did the only change we made from the program from the governor's announcement uh, when we did the rules was we made it an opt-in program. We were looking initially at just right. having everybody who was in Ohio and entered, and then we'd work to verify if they were vaccinated or not. And uh, for for a variety of reasons, many of which got the legal teams <laughs> involved, you know, always we want to make sure the, the, the lawyers protect us <laughs> from, from lawsuits and, and making sure we're following all the laws and doing the things the right way. We just realized it was so much easier just to have people opt in. And, you know, we made the registration process as easy as possible, but that's the, uh, so we got the hundred, but the, uh, uh, we, we thought we'd have to go through more of that hundred when we were trying to figure out if somebody was vaccinated or not. Now we've got a pool of people who've entered themselves and on the front end say, yes, I am vaccinated. And so really at that point, you're just making sure they're not 
fraudulently trying to enter when they haven't done so. And, and, and the vast majority of people, you know, that we, we, we don't think would, would, would do that. You know, Iowans are pretty, you know, good and honest people. And they've, uh, we've yet to encounter an issue, at least in the first three dry sets of drawings that, uh, that, that are along those lines. So initially when we had that large number, it was going to be, okay, we're going to need that many people to make guarantee we get somebody who's vaccinated when everybody's in there. But now that it's uh, opt in, you know, it's more of a, uh, a, you know, for lack of a better term, making sure they weren't lying on the, on the form. And, and <laughs> you know, the first person drawn each time, for by all accounts, is uh, it's uh, we've uh, we've been in good shape. So you haven't had to go to a second person yet? From your I, I, I'm not aware of that having occurred. So the, uh, I mean, we're, uh, again, the, uh, uh, with, with opt-in, uh, we've taken care of a lot of those concerns we need the alternates for. But, you know, the, the lottery officials still advised us, hey, this is a smart thing to do for whatever reason. So, um, the, uh, uh, yeah, there could be something that makes you ineligible between when you entered and not. Uh, it would probably be an extremely rare circumstance, like you took a job at the Ohio Department of Health or... Uh, we do require that you have to be, you know, you know, living at the time of drawing. And so if anybody passed away <laughs> since the first drawing, you know, the, that could affect things. But uh, uh, it's, it's, it's now going to be an extremely rare circumstance that that first person drawn is not the, not the person who will end up being announced uh, Wednesday nights. Well, you talk about TV ratings. I know your, your job's not to get more TV ratings for the Hodge channel, but could you imagine if they had like a, verification TV special where the hundred names are flashed and you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm 87th on the list. And you're watching that in the hopes that maybe the top 86 don't make it. I mean, that might get some ratings. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, I mean, you think of all the reality show game shows you've had oh, over yeah. the years, the, uh, there have certainly been, uh, uh, you know, you know, shows like that where you start with 100 and you work its way down to one. I mean, they, most competition shows are based upon that on a weekly basis, but there have been some that have been based on that on a, in a show basis. So uh, you're you're not that off on on that being a ratings driver. So. Oh yeah, I'd be a rating. Joe, would you watch that show? That'd be a rating school mine. I don't know if I would watch it, but <laughs> I don't watch most of the, I don't, I don't watch most of the shows that work. Like oh, okay, that. but right. it, but it would be interesting if there was like a preliminary drawing, and even if it were just ten people invited to the studio, and then you know one of those ten is gets the grand prize. That'd be something. I don't know. They wouldn't have to take very long, unless you're going to make them run uh, some type of obstacle course like Wipeout. Then yeah. I'd, probably, I'd probably I'd probably watch that. <laughs> like I was watching Dwayne Wade had some new show called The Cubon, where it was an athletic yes. reality show. But you know, you always bring on somebody with a, a sad story on there. So what if we pick the top eight? Make sure they're vaccinated, obviously, because that's the point. But have them tell their story. You know, hey, I have ten kids. I'm trying to pay my bills, and then. You know, maybe the governor could say, "Okay, you advance or something." You know, I, I don't know. I mean, see, so it's why, a sad story competition. That's why I'm not marketing manager. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, we, why, we do want to make the, sure that people have confidence. This thing's on the up and up, and so if <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but if we, somebody's going to get on there and be a multimillionaire, and I also yes, got vaccinated. Yeah, How come I don't true. get more money? Well, I do remember back in the day, uh, the, I, I am sure there's YouTube video of this, but it was the early 90s. Yeah, we're all familiar. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, Joe and Paul are familiar with, uh, you know, Cash Explosion, the, yeah. uh, the Ohio Lottery game show. The, uh, 
But back in the early 90s, you can look it up. Uh, Larry Zonka actually was drawn as a cash <laughs> really? contestant. This was during the time, it was after his playing career, but it was the same time he was the uh, <clears throat> quote unquote color commentator on American Gladiators. And so oh, he, he went on the cash explosion just like any other Ohioan, but it, it's Larry Zonka. So there is precedent for that in the history of the Ohio lottery when, uh, when Larry Zonka played cash explosion. Well, it brings up an interesting point because the governor's been clear in his press conferences. Hey, I don't want to know early. I, I think he gets told like mid-Wednesday or or a little bit beforehand. How many people, Dan, do you think know? I mean, obviously someone's drawing the name. I'm sure somebody's starting the verification process. Is it just like a handful in Ohio that would know who? Yeah, it, it's, it's a handful of people at the lottery and the Department of Health that are uh, needed to verify that these People are, yeah, number one, to conduct the drawing, and then two, to verify that the person meets the uh, rules of the contest. And so uh, it's a, just, it's a, it's not a lot of people. And then the governor get finds out Wednesday evening, uh, and you know he is uh, wanted to make the calls, uh, you know, right, right, uh, you know, relatively soon before the announcement, so that. Uh, you know, these people get a heads up that, uh, you know, you know, the names are read at 729 and at 730, their, uh, their Twitter and Facebook pages. Yes. Yes. That's why I have to ask you about that. But I, I guess what I'm saying, and let me ask an awkward question. When do you find out? Like, do you find out around the same time the governor does? Yes, I, 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 I find out watching uh, on my uh, local Columbus TV stations, watching oh, very broadcast. Okay. So the, uh, uh, I, I find out the names live on television. So the governor finds out before that, but I, I okay. find out live on television. So, so there's no discussion beforehand just to say, hey, Dan, just so you know, it's a guy from Cleveland or Cincinnati or wherever. I mean, well, the governor uh, does uh, work to, as you've noticed, he wanted to try and congratulate you at least one of the winners each week. So, you know, he, he has said that he knows generally you know, what areas of the state they're from, but he doesn't know the winner until it's uh, it's time to make the call. Okay, and that's the other fun thing we got to get to. So, yeah, the governor calls. Now, I'm assuming from here in the press conferences, he usually calls beforehand, right? 7, 7.15 in the drawings yep, at 7.29? Yeah, okay. about that. So if you're watching it live at 7.29, your phone hasn't gone off. You can pretty safely assume you, you haven't won then, right? Uh, the, uh, well, with that being said, if you haven't checked your phone, but you're watching, you know, there is that, that possibility. So okay. the, uh, uh, but the, yeah, I, I would, I would not never say never cause we're going to make an attempt to get a hold of you, but the, uh, it's, you look at these first few stories, the, uh, you know, week two millionaire winner, uh, was, uh, finishing his uh, Amazon route and he said, yeah. Phone with my twine's uh, <laughs> name on it, so uh, he could have gotten to the the, the, the drawing perhaps and not, and not seen it. So uh, additionally, the uh, um, you know the uh, the scholarship winner that week was on her way to a uh, a uh, family wedding and <laughs> didn't get to get, catch the drawing, and uh, they uh, uh, got a hold of him afterwards. So we've. Uh, uh, We've gotten a hold of a few uh, people right on cue, and uh, others. It's a uh, it's a callback shortly thereafter. So there certainly have uh, been times here in the first three weeks that uh, somebody might you know might have had the opportunity to see their name drawn before they got the phone in front of them to see that we the governor tried to call. Them. 
Well, right, was, but that doesn't but that doesn't cost them the the winnings, right? No, no, the uh, right, the, great. They, I'm, they thinking, have, I'm thinking I would I almost never answer a phone call that I don't recognize the number. Like I think that's just the, <laughs> the era we live in now. I I'm I'm not picking up <laughs> unless no, I know I'm, I'm expecting a phone call. So like that I would en end up missing out on all types of winnings. Well, at least the, the at least the phone scammers <laughs> who pester me, they use the same prefix as my cell phone number. <laughs> right. And so I know that, yeah, it's the the odds of somebody calling me with important the exact same first six digits of my phone number are extremely low. Well, I was gonna ask this because I thought this was fascinating. When like when I reported more, we did most of our interviews like this by cell phone. So if you had like a musician call you or something, if they called you from your cell phone, you had their cell phone. And I'm not silly enough to call back rock stars and say, hey, it's me again. How are you doing? But does the governor use his phone? Like if he calls you, do you have his phone number or is he using another phone number? The um, well, they think that some of the people said his uh, number came up as Mike DeWine through the the public wow. uh, uh, caller ID system. So the uh, I don't like to talk too much about that for yeah, yeah, purposes, I know. But uh, uh, many times when the governor's call, calling you, it's uh, I, it, I will let's put it this way: the uh, it's more likely if you're a member of the press and if it's right. DNT or any calling to connect you, you, you're not getting the governor's cell phone number but uh, if the governor is calling you directly odds are the governor's calling you directly <laughs> well we were speculating on our morning show a few weeks back saying is is he using your phone phone is he using somebody else's phone but it sounds like he might be using his own so i understand we won't get too far into that because we could get some other issues with that um so it's funny because i know he's not always going to someone's house but there's a chance that instead of calling you he'll knock on your door because that's what happened last week right yeah, the last week I think was the first time he was able to watch the drawing with a winner. So the uh, you know the governor's you know still keeping his uh, his public schedule and then you know spending Wednesday night trying to at least shake hands and, and with a winner. Uh, at least that's been the the schedule the the first three weeks. So the um, you know uh, week one you know he got uh, Inglewood near Dayton you know after the after the drawing was announced. Week two. Uh, the, uh, it, the, again, he went to visit the scholarship winner and got to talk to scholarship winner's mom. But again, the, the winner herself was at the, was at the family wedding and then they FaceTimed, uh, back from the, from her mom, her mom pulls up the FaceTime and makes it happen. The, uh, uh, last week, uh, he did uh, visit the, the winner in Richwood, which is in, uh, Union County, a little bit Northwest of, uh, Columbus. And, uh, the, uh, they got all saw him beforehand and, uh, Watched uh, the 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 drawing announcement with him. Okay, well, I'm emailing over directions to my house, so you know, he knows where to go this Wednesday <laughs> for the next drawing. Man, that might be awkward, but we'll we'll, we'll see what's happening. Like that there. process, yeah, that's a good idea. Now, now, here's the embarrassing thing. I mean, you know, hey, we're we're fans of the governor, and won't be awkward at all. But we got a couple of crazy kids. I mean, we keep our house clean, but sometimes it's a war, a madhouse. What happens if he comes over and they're like, "Oh, it's kind of crazy here. Can we talk outside or something? Is that okay?" Or, well, I mean, most most of them have talked outside, so okay, the, cool. That, that, that's the uh, that would be the norm. So I think uh, the as we said, this is the first time he actually was able to 
be invited in to watch the the, the drawing broadcast. Uh, but m the the other few times, you know, they've talked uh, either on the front lawn or the porch. Uh, part of it is also weather permitting. You know, the uh, you're, everybody who's planned a party in Ohio knows that you're at the mercy of weather when it comes yeah. to. <laughs> well, well, my wife's excited. Yeah, obviously, it's a one three million chance. So we're we're definitely not you know, counting on, you know, winning back some million. But it was funny because we, we were talking and saying, what if our daughter is having a temper tantrum? That that wouldn't be good PR for anybody, us or the state <laughs> or Governor DeWine or anything else. So, all right. Well, and then, yeah, well, and, you can always tell her, honey, we just won a million dollars. You don't need to be crying. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and, you know, from when I've covered the governor before, I mean, he's a nice guy. He's not going to. You know, give you the side eye. You know, he seems like a family guy. He'd understand if something's crazy at the house. So, and then do what happens with the money? Obviously, you're paying taxes on it. People say it's probably what six hundred fifty thousand after taxes. Is it direct deposited? Do does he bring a oversized check to give to you? I mean, how does the like? Do you have to go somewhere to pick up the money? How does that work? No, it's it's uh, uh it's it's worked out through the Ohio Department of Health, so that you're. Uh, okay. Getting, uh, uh, I won't explain the exact processes because yeah, it's really a it's really a boring accounting story. But the uh, <laughs> and, and, and the kind of podcast we do here, boring podcast. accounting podcast, is what we should call it. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably an audience, uh, but <laughs> and, and I say that with my uh, father and brother being accountants, so that's great, absolutely, yep. But the. Uh, uh, but no, the uh, the Ohio Department of Health uh, uh, has to. They have, there's some paperwork involved, yeah, you know, both uh, figuratively and literally, to uh, to get the agreements in place to to get the money transferred. But it's uh, uh, it's it's done fairly expeditiously. So the again, this is uh, from the uh, these are coronavirus relief funds. Uh, they've already been appropriated by Congress. They've already been approved by the Ohio Controlling Board for the Ohio Department of Health to spend to fight the virus. And I know that that was kind of what the, there have been a few vaccine million detractors and one of them is saying, well, why, you know, this can't be the purpose it's used for, but the, the purpose that it is, is to fight the virus. And where we are at this stage in the pandemic, you know, previous stages, you know, the most effective way to fight it was through testing and through, you know, uh, PSAs and, uh, but right now, the most effective way to get the, this done is uh, through uh, getting more people vaccinated. It's worked on that front. Um, the uh, on, on the PR side, I know the governor cited the numbers uh, a few times, but it's well more than uh, if you count all the times that it's been mentioned on Good Morning America today, CBS This Morning, uh, CNN, Fox News, all those and all the local channels across Ohio uh, and in neighboring states. It's uh, been more than fifty million dollars in in earned media. That you know, we've got a service that tells us, okay, if you if uh, they mention it on your local news, here's how much you would have had to pay for during the commercial break to get that same exposure. And we total it all up; it's more than fifty million. So even from that perspective, I mean, you know, it's certainly a legitimate use of the funds because we've increased the number of people who've gotten vaccinated, which will make a difference in keeping us healthier. But from the, you know, if people, somebody said, well, why didn't you just buy TV ads with that money? Well, we could not have bought the, the amount of coverage Vaccine Million has received since it started is uh, is uh, 10 
times the amount of money we've spent on the program. So it's been very cost effective in terms of uh, getting the word out about it. And as we said at the beginning, it's been a fun way to talk about it more than uh, oh, the right. previously depressing ways we've had to talk about it. Yeah, you've right. given us content. So thank you for that. I mean, I, <laughs> I want to be non-biased. Jeez, thank you, man. That was great. Um, yeah, and lump sum, right? I mean. Yes. Okay, yeah, you don't uh, have to wait 20 years. Okay, so the million cool. dollar winner gets a lump sum. Taxes are taken out ahead of time. Um, the uh, And you should still work with your accountant to make sure that that would be your tax liability because I can't guarantee that and I'm not a tax attorney. Um, the scholarship winner, it's done through Ohio's uh, uh, tuition trust authority, the 529 college savings plans. Uh, essentially, we're going to set aside those monies for those winners. We've had one that's getting ready to go to college after this year, but we have two that were uh, uh, 13 and 14, and uh, it's gonna be uh, put in their uh, trust through the 529 to, to pay out to them uh, once they decide what school they're going to in a few years. I think Dan just sent me a message, did you hear? You should check with your accountant, Chris. So, I mean, let's <laughs> put the news story. I Is think I want heard. I, yeah. That's not what I heard. Oh, okay. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break some news here. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get ready to go. This will be exciting. All right. Dan, I don't know you. because I'm, I'm not in Ohio. And so I haven't seen any of the ads and the whatever else for the scholarship. Is Does it have to be an Ohio school? Is it for any Ohio resident going to any school anywhere? So the, the 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 prize is a uh, four year ride with uh, which call you know calls for tuition, room and board and books to any Ohio uh, state college or university. So wow. okay. the, what that translates to for for most people is that the uh, you know, if you choose an Ohio state school, whether it's you know the full four year university or if you choose to go to a a two year program at a community college or you go to an Ohio state technical college, it's covered. Uh, if you go to a private school, we'll cap the value at the most expensive uh, state of Ohio uh, college four-year program, which uh, my understanding is Miami University. So that's, that's the one trivia question that a lot of reporters have <laughs> surprised about is they've they've expected uh, that the uh, uh, the they would have expected Ohio State to be the most, but uh, oh, no, no. Uh, yeah. Miami uh, this, this year. I can't guarantee future years, but that's the uh, uh, that's the, that's the value for for this year. So. Wow. Well, it's actually a good decision, Dan, because if you said any private school and the kid wanted to go to Malone, which is a college that the three of us went to, it may bankrupt <laughs> the state because Malone's you way really expensive. <laughs> we had but to pay for it. Does have to be in in the state of Ohio. So the yeah, uh, my apologies to the fine institutions outside the state of Ohio. Okay. But we're, this is this is this will be funding in Ohio education. So. I was right. I was hoping to get my kid to Dartmouth, Dan. Come on, <laughs> you know? jeez, thought four years of Dartmouth for free. So hey, we got us one more fun question. Thank you for your time, Dan. We really appreciate it. Sure. Um, you know, hey, you know the governor's running for re-election. You got to support the local teams. I get that. I like during the press conferences he's wearing Indians ties and Reds ties and. You know, he's supporting the Browns and the Bengals. But, you know, Dan, please come on the show after I reveal this to you. But myself, Paul, and Joe are fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Has there been any thought that maybe one time he could wear a Steelers tie? Now, I know it's not Ohio team, but we have a lot of fans here in Ohio that support the Steelers. Could that be a a good move by him? Well, the uh, all I'll say is that uh, the – 
you know, the, the governor uh, grew up at a time when uh, the, the Browns were plastered all over televisions across the state because right. the Bengals didn't exist yet. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but uh, in his baseball allegiance says, well, he loves the tribe. He, he absolutely loves Cincinnati Reds, long family right. of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys lucked out. You got the, the previous governor gave you eight years of uh, Pittsburgh Steeler fandom in the governor's <laughs> office. Oh, so. As a Steelers fan uh, and a, uh, you, know, you grew up in uh, McKees Rock, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken, outside oh. uh, Pittsburgh, which explains his uh, Steelers fandom. Uh, but the uh, uh, very logically, it's not like uh, sometimes the, uh, you know, we uh, we see people, it's like, oh, I'm a Cubs fan. Why are you a Cubs fan? You're originally from uh, Finley. So <laughs> what's the relationship between the Cubs and the Finley? So, you know, it's right. it, uh, um you know, John Kasich has a, a a real legitimate story for his uh, Steelers fandom. So uh, the uh, but the odds of you know, getting that much uh, uh, you know of more course, after yeah. eight years is uh, uh, is low. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine politically it'd be crazy if like Kasich was governor during this time. He walked in the press conference with a big Steelers sweatshirt on and waving the terrible towel. That probably wouldn't be good politically. So we we say of tongue playing firmly in cheek. Obviously, it's probably not wise <laughs> if Dewine's waving a terrible towel around Columbus. You know? Well, I mean, and you have to you have to go back probably a very long time to figure out a governor who's uh, served at a time when you've had both. Ohio teams relevant at the same time, so it's it's yeah. a nice time to be a governor in Ohio when you've got you know, the uh, the the Browns coming off a uh, a season where they won twelve games, including the playoffs, and and uh, with uh, you know a yeah, former Ohio, oh, Ohio State quarterback uh, uh, in uh, in Joe Burrow by way of LSU uh, right. leading the uh, and giving hope to uh, to the the faithful of the uh, uh, of the stripes down south. So the uh, uh, plus, you know, Ohio State being, you know, you know, universally good on top of that. And uh, uh, of course, we'll see where the 12-team playoff potentially takes that. But yeah. you have to think Ohio State is in that playoff most every single year if it's 12 teams. So, But uh, but it's uh, it, you'd have to go back quite a while to figure out who was governor the last time that the uh, Browns and Bengals were relevant at the same time. Why did you bring up that playoff game last year, Dan? Yeah, that was a – Oh. That was a horrible Ouch. night for us, too. I mean, first COVID, Ouch. then the Marquise County <laughs> snapping the ball over Big Ben's head, and we're down 20 nothing after the first quarter. The, the oh, physics man. involved in that are mind-boggling. Oh, it was just, yeah. It's, He's not a short guy. How do you how do you throw it that far over his head? It's crazy. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Um, thank the governor for what in the fight COVID. Um, hope, uh, hopefully the governor can listen to our podcast sometimes. I'd love to hear what his reaction is to some of the things. And tell him, I'm sorry, I'm kidding if he ever gets offended, but we're, we're trying to have fun here. So, Oh, but, no, I, I don't think anybody's offended at, at anything you said. So, again, okay. we, had, we had eight years of a governor who was a Steelers fan, so the, uh, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. So. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> well, I, I just that basketball question I asked last time. I was a little I was still a little bit horrified by it. So apologize them for that. It'll be good. So well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, good luck uh, with everybody for Vaximillion. And again, if you're out there in Ohio and you haven't got vaccinated yet, hey, we're not taking political sides, we're taking health sides, you know. Uh get vaccinated. I mean, I I, I hate needles. I'm I'm horrible with needles, but I got vaccinated. If I survived, 
you can survive too. So yeah, that's my plug for you, Dan. Everyone should get vaccinated and um, it's good that we're starting to get back to normal, but if you want to get back to total normal, that's the secret. So, well, and if you're not, and uh, to piggyback on that as a final word, if you're not uh, vaccinated yet, get vaccinated. And if you do so by Sunday, you can sign up for the uh, final Vaximillion drawing by Sunday. And uh, remember, that's www.vaximillion.org. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to uh, sign up there. So you've got until Sunday to get everything done. If you want, if you're, if you're not in now, uh, you got one more chance and got to get done by Sunday night. And just a disclaimer, when I win either this Wednesday or next Wednesday, it had nothing to do with the interview. You know, Dan and I didn't arrange this beforehand. It was just luck of chance. So. Yeah, I am I am outside the process. So I, I have no influence who's able uh, to win or not, despite, you know, the many people asking me, hey, can you? I have I am not involved in that process. Uh, I I find out when everybody else does uh, okay. watching the uh, the Ohio. And now there's and now there's going to be a bunch of questions if you do win, Chris. Right. So well, yeah, yeah. I just want to protect <laughs> myself because if I'm sitting in the press conference the day after I win, and you know Jim Province or one of the state reporters were like, "Hey, Dan, we just saw him with Chris two days before." We're just getting the word out there, Dan. Well, you know, you perhaps here's the question to pose to you, Chris. That oh. it's maybe the reverse Larry Zonka question. You know, if you had to, if there was a Ohio resident celebrity that you would want to see win Vaximillion just for the sheer entertainment value of it, who would it be? I I, I think reporters and, and I don't want I don't want to embarrass the situation. You, you know, I think reporters that were very anti-vax, like if they won, or, or or maybe some politicians, and I you know reporters could win, but politicians can't win, right? Uh, no, the the people who are ineligible are the uh, staff of the governor's office, the Department of Health, and the lottery, and the people who live in their household. Okay, so you know what? Let's not bring up bad topics with you know reporters that have questioned things at press conferences what if we say less wexner you know let's just go chaos theory and have like a rich guy in ohio win and wouldn't that be awkward well they, i we, we have had a few of the winners already say they're they're planning on making uh charitable donations right. to, uh, with their winnings you'd you'd, you'd think that uh, somebody uh, along those lines would probably be fairly generous with uh with winnings but uh that'd be an I, interesting one I would hope, and not to say anything about Wexner, I'm sure he's a fine in, in how he would use the money, but can you imagine somebody, Rich, one, they, they got in your press conference the next day, and they said, yeah, I'm keeping it. I need another sports car, you know? It'd be kind of uh. awkward, so. And somebody's like, man, you're rich. Can't you donate to something? And he's like, no, it's all for me, you know? I can donate it, but I'm totally not going to. There yes. you go. Yes. That- imagine if Mike Tyson still lived in Southington, so. Oh, there you yeah. go. Oh, man. <laughs> or, or maybe, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's family, from what I understand, still lives in Fenley. You yep. know, Ben's dad wins. He says, hey, I'm donating to the Steelers. We need more salary cap room so we can sign a guy to beat the Browns. See, I, that's the stuff I want to do. <laughs> Dan will cry about a laugh. It'll be great. So, but I mean, right. back in the day, Art Modell could have won to pay uh, signing bonuses. So. Uh, oh, yeah. What about Art Modell? I mean, Art, no. Art Modell's no longer with us. What Oof. if it was a year the Browns are moving and, you know, Hey, the first winner, Art Modell. You know, wow. That'd be a PR headache. Uh, I mean, man. I used to do PR, so I, I know. I mean, I obviously I haven't faced what Dan's faced within the past year, but there's some days that are tough. Man, if Art Modell won the Vax a million, I, I would be crying. I know Dan would be crying too. So. Tough day. 
There, there, are, there are very few true villains who you could say was a resident of your state. That, that was one of them. So. Definitely. Well, Dan, as always, <laughs> thanks for your time. Don't be a stranger. I'd love to have you back, and it'll be fun. So uh, have a great day, Dan. All right. Thank you. All right, the great Dan Tierney. And, hey, I appreciate – let's bring our other guest on. Uh, Tavares, hey, I apologize, man. We had an interview that went over late. Um, uh, we had Dan Tierney from the governor's office talking about COVID. And he was sharing about Vaximillion. And I tried to put a good word in for you. Um, are you signed you up did. for Vaximillion? Yeah, are you signed up for Vaximillion? I, I, I am. And, and if they're ready, I am. They can just go ahead and send me the million. I, they don't have to okay. wait. Well, his last question. One more drawing. One more drawing. His last question was, "Chris, you pick who's going to win." I said, "Tavares." Not how it works. Hey, all right. All right, so you're in. (laughs) Well, Tavares, um, welcome to the show. Welcome back. We're excited to have you back on. Um, Meet Joe and Paul, um, our other um, podcast hosts. weren't available this afternoon, so these are two of our other podcast hosts. So. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you on. Uh, remind us, uh, what's your title there at Mount Vernon? Well, I'm the director of intercultural life at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and I've been there now. Today makes a year, so I've been there what? an entire year now. It's been it's, it's been a and it's been a very eventful year, I'll say to say <laughs> yes, the least. But it's been a very yeah. good year at the university. Yeah, we solved racism. There's no problem ever with race, right? I fixed it. I just flipped the switch. Oh, and it's yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and, uh, and of all years to get this uh, to be for this to be your first year, there's so much yeah. going on uh, for yeah, anybody's yeah, yeah, in any type of education uh, position. This is quite a year. It absolutely and, has been. Definitely. Well, let's ask you about some of the things that are going on. I didn't mention this in the note I had to you, but I. It was interesting seeing this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Juneteenth, right, is coming up. It's Friday, correct? Mm-hmm. And we're celebrating it more this year. Um, my company yeah. is actually offering it off as a holiday where they haven't done in the past. Um, I love how you bring, obviously, a concern about what's happening in racism in, in this country. And obviously, we make the poor joke that racism is not around anymore. Obviously, it's around. Obviously, it's a serious yeah. issue that we need to address in our country. Um Talk about Juneteenth. Um, I'm I gotta be honest with you, I'm excited that we're looking at this holiday. I don't know mm-hmm. much about it. Tell us a little bit more about Juneteenth because I think a lot of people don't fully understand what the holiday is about. Well, it's 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 a day that we celebrate just the overall liberation of African Americans. It originated out of Texas, but it's an it's an emancipation day. It's an emancipation day that we recognize and we realize as a beginning of one thing, but the reason that we try to put focus on it on, on a yearly basis, because just as you have the, you, we have July 4th, this is, we have any of our other national holidays. This is one that for African-Americans, and I would further say for our entire country, um, is something that we should look at and something that we should look at deeply because it's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating the ending of enslavement when our country came to realize this is a moral wrong. Slavery was a moral wrong that happened inside of our country. And the end of that emancipation was absolutely wonderful. But being able to celebrate it, it places attention on it so that we can realize and not easily forget that 
this was something that was realistic that happened not in another country. It happened inside of our country. And oftentimes we don't want to, we, we, we have the challenge of talking about slavery, having deep dive conversations about slavery, because it's hard to look at yourself and look at your country and say, oh, we did that. You know, that it doesn't take away the love of America. It doesn't take away the things that America has done. It doesn't take away the things that America has done around the world to assist others. But it is a reality in our country that happened. And if we don't forget it so easily and we're able to put attention on it, then we're able not necessarily to repeat the mistake, because I don't believe we're going to repeat that mistake, but we'll realize how we're not that distant from that date. And we have a lot more work that we can continue to do um, to enhance the lives uh, and to enhance, excuse me, diversity, equity, and just belonging inside of our country. So I think that's the reason that is an important day that I think all of us should pay some attention to, whether we have a big party or everything. It's something that we should be willing to talk, talk to our children about and a day that we put focus and remembrance. I think it's very important. Why are we learning more about this in our educational system? It's, you know, I, I think the past four years has kind of shed light on education, what we're learning, what we're not learning. And I'm looking at stuff like this. I'm looking at stuff as um, saw the CNN documentary about the Tulsa race massacre. Yeah. And I'm a history buff. I, I think I know yeah. about history. I didn't learn about that in school. Right. Why are we learning more about this stuff? It, it's sad. Yeah. That's a, a very good question, and, and it's unfortunate. You, you mentioned Tulsa. Tulsa is the massacre within itself is absolutely horrible, but putting attention on how African-Americans during that time built up the wealth that they did and the work that they accomplished, not being that distant away from that Juneteenth original day. They came around afterwards and begin to transform. They took very little. And it was funny that even with them taking very little, that that got snatched away from them. And why do we not talk about it in the school? Well, I think we cherry pick parts. And I, I wanna and I want to say this and I mean it, we cherry pick parts of the American history that we want. The thing is all of us come to anything that we do with a past. I come to this with a past. You come to this with a past. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. So I believe that my past does not necessarily define me, but my past, it is a part of my story. Yeah. And I think if we don't share the parts of the story, which oftentimes we forget, and more and more just because of the political rhetoric that is involved, and in, we've seen it more in 2020, 2021, than I think we've seen it in a while, you know, we don't talk about these things, but I think we to our own peril, to our own damage. And we won't we don't talk about it giving it enough attention inside of our schools. We don't point to the real accomplishment and the real attributes that African Americans and people of color have brought to this country. And it's unfortunate. I think it's something that we can do a lot better job in. I think we cherry pick just to present America in a different aspect. America is not bad within its core. It's not flawed within its core. But just like I come to anything, just like I come to this with a history, so does America. And our history doesn't have to necessarily define us, but it can give us direction of how we fix the thing. 
if we don't talk about it, it's just as it's just as if it, if we don't talk about a cancer that is there, just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it no longer exists. But talking about it exposes it. By exposing it, it gives it a realistic chance of healing it. I don't want to ask all the questions, Paul. Joe, what do you have for him? Oh, these are great things. The whole conversation about the whole conversation about education and going through the the history of America, and uh, you know, being careful about picking certain parts of America, uh, America's history, and focusing on those things and not exposing the things that might be painful about our past. When education becomes all about uh, being a, a, being pro America and trying to explain to children why America is just the greatest period. Uh, you run into problems by, you know, skating over the things that would be painful to look at. Uh, mm -hmm. And that really is a good part of education, hopefully, that we can grow to, to be able to look at those things that are painful parts of our past and understand how, to get, how we can avoid those things in the future and get and find new ways of solving those kinds of problems or avoiding those problems in the future. Uh, I, that's that's so much a part of it when the process of education is shortened down mm -hmm. so far, there's only so much information that can be fit into one semester of American history. Um, and it's, right. but it's, but it's important not to skip over those things in favor of just saying why America is the greatest. Well, I come from the business background and in the business background, if you're going to look at any potential business growth, you've got to do an analysis. What do you analyze? The past. You analyze what's been done. You analyze what's been effective. You analyze what's not been effective. Thus, you'll be able to look at the you'll be able to look at whatever company, whatever organization it is and says, this is what we've done. This is what we've got right. This is what we've got wrong in order to grow from here. You know, right. this is what we can do. I think. That's where we are in America right now. And lots of people don't want to talk about those issues. But I see unique opportunity in talking about it. I don't think it should be threatening about to anyone to have these conversations because there's unique opportunities for us to be able to look at it and really look at it and compare ourselves to around the world and say, how do we fit this into a national and global model that really moves our country forward and keeps it, as, as Reagan quoted, as that shining city on the hill? That's what we want, ultimately. We want America to thrive. We want America to grow. But we don't want America to ignore its reality. Because then it's not growing. You're absolutely no, right. Then it's not yeah. you, won't, you, you won't grow. Uh, one thing that I'm seeing, especially among people of faith, and I'm a pastor and just interact with a lot of Christians, and it, it feels like this conversation has become, you know, it, if you want to look at the honest history of America, it, you know, you are promoting critical race theory and here's everything wrong with it. And why do you hate America? We just need to talk about it. And I don't know if you're seeing that where it's become just this all or nothing. And, and yeah. we... I mean, I've personally heard people saying, you know, slavery ended a long time ago. Let's move on. But I was born in 73, and that's not far off the tails of the civil rights movement and no. battles that are still being fought. And so it's right. not an issue of a long time ago. Right. 
you you were born in 73 thus you being born in 73 you were on the tail end of the civil rights act you were on the tail end of the voting rights act and if you're i don't want to get into you what how old are you now 47 (laughs) see how close that is yeah you know and that's what i'm saying the thing is I, I believe I'm quoting uh, Reagan correct when I say this. Do you know freedom is only one generation away from extinction? Mm. And that's for the groups of individuals in this country that just like it took us a generation to get here, where we are now, where we have advanced. We have advanced. And there's been policy. And I don't just look at policy because I don't think you can slide legislation that heals racism. It just doesn't do it. It just won't happen. But I think there has been advancement by individuals, by advancement by individuals of color, advancement by partners and allies of individuals of color that have allowed us to really grow in the past 40 to 50 years since the 60s. Um, so we, we thrive. But I've seen that all in one, all, either it's all this or not. And sometimes I, I remember yep. having a conversation with someone and they said it was a really rough situation that was centered around race. And they're like, well, I don't want to be political. I didn't know you're a pastor. I didn't know loving thy neighbor was political. I thought it was biblical. I, I, you know, I, I just see that. You know, I, I didn't. I, I, and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you have to advocate and support every piece of legislation and every piece of so you name some of the 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 the, the ideas that are floating around. You don't necessarily have to support that to love your neighbor. You don't necessarily have to support certain policies or certain educational models because certain educational models that are in higher education and K-12 education that are being advocated by certain groups, they may not go along with your theological standards, your moral standards, but that doesn't mean you can't love well. You know, we can love well in our differences. We can love well, even though we have everything different that from another person. We can learn how to love them well. So I think at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be this either you're 100% or you're 100% out model. I think you need to 100% love, especially those of us who are of faith. Yep. You need to 100% love. And love doesn't always mean that you agree with everything about something. Or you... but. Honestly, I would like to see more people at the end of the day be a part of the solution. And if you don't want to be a part of the solution, you don't have to be a part of the problem. <laughs> you just take a back seat. You know, nobody's <laughs> you say, like this. If you don't want to be a part of the solution, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm I, I'm for that. Everybody, this is this this the beauty of America. Every we are thrive on our rights. That is something that is the beauty of America. It separates us from other parts of the world, you know, especially in, 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 in the foundation of America. It was the pivotal point about us. It's the rights that we are given. So you don't have to be a part of every solution. You don't, but just don't be a part of the problem. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> and I, I think you've already answered this, but you know, I, I sent you stories, you know, and yeah. I don't want to speak ill of our. I'm a media guy, and look, support local journalism, read our mm-hmm. stories. So I don't want to bash the media or anything. But you know, it seems like with how broken our country is when it comes to race right now, you see stuff happen. 
Um, mm -hmm. Paul and Joe, I'm not sure if I shared this with you, but uh, there was a sad story in Hudson, a uh, 30 year Hudson veteran, speaking about Memorial Day. He wanted to share a story about how um, slaves were using Memorial Day to help honor people who fought for them. He gets the speech mm -hmm. cut out. And, what is know, that? Yeah, and, and you get the, the stories in Columbus. You know, we're having some um, sad instances lately of you know people of color unarmed are being shot. Yeah. And I, I know that situation with the um, the teenage girl. The, you know, she yeah. had a knife. I get that, but this has been happening a lot here in Columbus. Yeah. It's not an isolated incident. How do we get by that? Because we need to be aware of what's happening around us. You know what well, I mean? We I need to protest. You sent me yeah, about the veteran. And my here's a here's the first thought that came to my 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 mind on Memorial Day. What disrespect for this veteran? I mean, how 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 could we? This is an individual who's fought for our nation. This is an individual who's fought for our freedom. He fought for the freedom to speak what he was saying, and we cut his yeah. mic off. You know, it totally goes against the value systems that we have in America. We can't pick and choose what freedom looks like. Freedom for you is freedom for me. It's freedom for him. Is free we can't pick and choose. We don't necessarily have to always agree, but that's right. the beauty of America. So I was when you sent me that article, I had not heard of that particular story, but I was so bothered because here's an individual who fought for freedom, yeah. who has a history and a wealth of knowledge and, and experience that he wants to share. And his microphone gets cut off. That's not America. That's not who we are. That's not what our nation looks like. And that is not, that doesn't show the greatness that we are as a nation. It's just not who we are. How do we address that? Because we need to understand what's happening in the world around us. But I, I think it goes back to what you were saying before. Is that how to get past the outrage of it? Because part of it is no matter what your skin color is, black, white, or whatever, you know, you can read a story like that and just get ticked off and say, man, what a bunch of meanies and all that other stuff and they're jerks and whatever else. But then we, after a couple of days of outrage, we just go on to the next thing we're supposed to get outraged about. How right. can we address that situation? And not to say we're going to go up to Hudson and protest or whatever, but how do we address that to get to what you said to make change? Because this stuff was happening in Ohio. It's not like yeah. I'm saying, hey, it's in Iraq or Kuwait or whatever. It's in Ohio. How would you suggest that a more proactive, positive way of addressing these problems than just getting ticked off at a news article? Reach? That's very good. I think we cannot become you. It starts at not becoming accustomed or used to these stories that come across. I think because it's it's very easy. The the, the killing of unarmed African Americans, stories like this where veterans are being cut off. You know, it, it's so easy to be upset about it for one particular day. And then afterwards, you're like, you know, it, it happens, it happens all the time. The fact that it happens all the time means that we need to, you know, have some serious conversation and dialogue. I mentioned earlier, I don't think policy uh, fixes these issues. I don't think your legislation is going to fix these issues. I'm not saying that the government doesn't have a role in addressing these situations, but I think we can't legislate hate. We can't legislate injustice. We can't legislate. We can put parameters in place. Um, with frameworks, but we can't. But what do we do in these type of situations? 
we have to continue to call out the individual organizations or the individual cases. So if it's connected to a business, if it's connected to a nonprofit where this happened, then we need to call out that particular organization and put pressure on that organization to address what happened. Because every that's the, that's the key about leadership is accountability. It's accountability. And all of us have to be accountable for the things that happen within our bandwidth or what happens within our, uh, within the things that we manage. So I think with that being the case, if we're going to have to be accountable, we've got to be accountable for all of it. So I think part of it is enough good people coming together to say, if a business, if it was a business doing something like this, hey, we really need to have a conversation. Maybe it's not patronizing that business for a long, I mean, that was a large part of the, the civil rights movement. The, you know, the boys, the boy, the, the bus boycott, you know, we won't patronize. We would rather walk miles upon miles to be able to put pressure, not political pressure. We're putting financial economic strain by saying, hey, this is not appropriate. This is not OK. And I think, you know, in the business world, in the nonprofit world, people will get that. And it won't just be normal. It won't just be OK. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what that looks like and like we'll talk about what police injustice and everything. But I think it, it really is putting pressure and not patronizing organizations, businesses are not supporting or ceasing to support sports a period of time. And somebody will say that's called council culture. I mean, that's a new term that's going around. And I can understand certain parts of that. You know, we my goal, because I also believe in this work of redemption, Pastor. Uh, I, I believe in the work of redemption. So I believe if somebody says I was wrong and or my organization got it wrong in that moment or the person I had on stage got it wrong in that moment, if there's an apology, a sincere apology, I believe we come back and say, all right, you know, they got it wrong, but let's come back together. But I think until sincere repentance in this case happens for things that happen that we are given charge and leadership of, I think we hope supporting organizations like that until there's sincere repentance. And I think after that, there needs to be sincere forgiveness. It has to be both ways. So you can't just let somebody forgive. Yes, forgive them. That's a part of it. It is forgiveness. It's letting it go and say, hey, you got it wrong. There's consequences to getting certain things wrong. But those consequences should those consequences shouldn't be lifelong. Those consequences shouldn't be career long. Those consequences should say, hey, you got it wrong in the moment. Just like I've got things wrong in the moment. But we've got to redeem people back. There has to be yeah. restoration. And a lot of that seems like a, the possibility comes through relationship. It you know, is honest all- relationship. Right. Uh, the way that you don't want to then, you know, say if an event happens to accuse somebody of something, you know, just by flame throwing over social media or whatever, being able to go to somebody and sit down with them and talk to them and see them face to face or really right. open up an open dialogue, then you won't get back an apology that is mm-hmm. meaningless that you put out as a PR yeah. statement so that, right. you know, you'll, you'll stop the boycott or, or whatever. Then an honest you know, uh, redemption is possible when those things are done through relationship and open communication. Well, all of it boils to relationship. Yeah. How do we heal the divides that are in? This is a a series that we did recently about healing the divide. The main thing that came out of how we heal our global national, our global divide, because there is portions of, there's racism 
all throughout the world. But how do we heal this divide? It's part of relationships. It, it, it all boils down to what relationship are you willing to build that's outside of your comfort zone? Mm. So I, 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 that's a large part of it. Also, fact checking, ensuring that if some, some, if you felt that someone did wrong, make sure you get all the information before we accuse. I like to make sure we get all the information because um, you, 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 you mentioned the, the, the young lady who was killed in Columbus. That was a horrible death. Yeah. Um, you know, and you always want to make sure just on all sides before you make a final decision and not just go, because the news media can put so much out there. Um, but make sure you hear that, that the young woman who can't defend herself now because she's no longer with us. Um, but the way that happened, the video, and you also want to look at talk to the police and get you want to you want to build relationships so you can know exactly, you know, before I make a decision, let me know what happened. Let me be able to make an informed decision without rushing to judgment just because I saw a 15 second clip. Uh, you, you want to make sure you give opportunity to people to be able not just to prove themselves that they had some, but give them the opportunity to give them the benefit of the doubt until they're proven guilty, until they're proven guilty. And if at the end of this case or whatever, this investigation, if that police officer or that individual has proven that they were in error, not just by in the, in the court of public opinion as well, then we have to deal with that as well. So those are my thoughts. And also too, as Christians, don't just hop on the, you know, yay, the police are right, or boo, police, or whatever. I mean, that situation, there's trouble in the foster care system. There's trouble in the educational system. And uh-huh. as Christians, A, how do we pray more about this? But B, how do we really sit there and say, instead of just yelling about your favorite Republican or Democrat, say, hey, as a Christian, I want to advocate for people to be helped, for people to be saved. How can mm-hmm. we have a better foster care system for kids in need? How can we have a better educational system where there's some places where education isn't the same as in other places? And and we become less about yelling about politics than just by saying, hey, this is what we want to support as Christians that want to support other people, too. I, I know, mm-hmm. That's kind of where my heart's at by that. Yeah. Well, Tavares, I wish we had eight-hour podcast. Because I could sit here and talk about this for hours. I could too. And I bet Paul and Joe would, but you know, the wives would be yelling. It it would get ugly. Hour five too. Yes, it it would go from a productive, fun discussion to a a lots of yelling, and we can't have that. But don't be a stranger. We gotta have you on before long. Great information. Thank you. It it was helpful for me. I'm here to serve. You let me know. I'm here to serve. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time. I'll send you a link when, when we get this out. Thanks so and much. thanks so much for being part of Ohio. And you have a great day, man. Thank you so much. Have a great one. See you. Everybody. All right, guys. Wow. I, I'm, you know, and I don't know. Check your Facebook. We got some breaking news, too, which is interesting. I don't know. Did you see your Facebook messenger? Um. Just yeah, now, we, yeah, we got news on another project we're talking about. We'll, we'll have to talk after the show pretty quick. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is a, a busy time. Uh, but I'll tell you guys, I'm 
that's why I wanted to bring you guys in this ex- experiment. I love talking to Dan Tierney. It was great to hear his heart for COVID. I know we talked around a lot about, um, you know, this vaccine million thing. But, hey, it's it's neat to be able to talk to somebody higher up in government about what's happened there. And Tavares Taylor, my goodness, a lot of great information uh, about what's happening with race in the country. But it's not – but I know his heart. He's not going from a political angle or, hey, I want to be on CNN or Fox or whatever. He's coming at from a Christian perspective. So yeah. fascinating, man. So much Very to talk stuff. about for that. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I, you guys – I felt better there. As, a, as opposed to Dan, who I, I think Dan now thinks I'm a moron. So, I, <laughs> oh, you're fine. But there's no way he thinks you're a bigger moron than he thinks Chris is a moron. There's no way. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was, out of <laughs> we talked we talk to Dan um, on another podcast where we were asking about his press conference, and Mike DeWine's a short guy, his wife's a tall guy. <laughs> And I asked, why do you have to keep bringing it up, man? Well, you no, I got to keep bringing it up. You like feel bad about it and you talk well, about it all the time. Just well, let it just go. Like, there was, <laughs> I went through 10 funny questions. I got nine belly laughs from Dan. I asked that question, crickets. <laughs> so, you know, that's why I had to bring it up. I apologize. Yeah, I, I think, let's see, right you now, 90%. He's on the phone the line, like, yeah. I did this interview, and some moron thinks that a million bucks isn't enough. We need to give out a button. <laughs> hey, I got a sticker, all right? I would kill for a button. You you were fine. It, it was probably just – maybe you think maybe you think Pennsylvania people are entitled or something because he did bring up that Kasich was a Steelers fan. He's probably like, oh, that Paul – just because they're at seventy like percent vaccination. Just because they prefer football teams that win. Yeah. I, I think we may have lost him a little bit when we talked about the Steelers too, but well, that was also the end of the interview, so I think he was probably feeling like there were other conversations that he needed to have. Yes, yes, he's like <laughs> But you want to talk to us about Papa John's. Like I'll give him credit, you know. Yeah, not jumped right in, man. Papa John's. He had some opinions. That was All great. Right. Well, guys, we are going over. I want to talk about a couple quick things before we go. Uh, the last, I'd say about 15 minutes of the podcast, we still do a Steelers show. And it looks like we're going to be doing a Steelers show in the future. Um, so we need to talk a little Steelers too. But, Paul, I can't let this time go because it's all a Facebook post from you. You probably thought I was trolling you on Facebook because I think I – commented what 10 seconds after you posted which i always find weird <laughs> when people do that to me uh you were talking about in the heights it was the yes. manuel marianda am i saying his name right Miranda, Miranda. No. yeah um you know obviously well known for hamilton he came out in the heights and paul you were singing the praises what'd you think it was outstanding i mean just um musically it's there's all the songs were great. The performances are great. There, there's no kind of catchy sing-along song like you might have with some of the Hamilton stuff, but the, the music was very Hamilton-esque, kind of that there's that hip-hop and pop, but some Latin in there as well. Um, the performances on this were outstanding. Uh, it hits on some really significant issues, um, not only just uh, of a community that's being overtaken with gentrification. Um, but you've just, you've got some of the issues of immigration, uh, at work. Um, yeah. So it just, 
some of the issues it touches on were done very well. Performances were outstanding. The choreography was uh, uh, incredible. Uh, I would highly recommend give it a watch. Uh, a friend of mine commented that it wasn't appropriate for their nine-year-old daughter, but I mean, I don't know if Hamilton was either. So it's not like it's this, there's not this constant dropping of F-bombs or all these inappropriate scenes. It's it not intended for little ones. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I wasn't overly sure where it was going to go, but just the, the storylines that develop, uh, probably, I, I think more emotional than Hamilton was, but that's just hmm. my take. Yeah, I don't know the show that well. I mean, I'm a theater guy, and I'm well aware of In the Heights and certainly of Hamilton. Um, but I actually don't know In the Heights that well uh, as a show. I know that it's well spoken of, and definitely for the people who've come into uh, knowing Lin-Manuel Miranda's career through Hamilton, it's definitely his earlier piece that has all of the same type of elements that if you if you liked Hamilton... There's a lot of it. You'll find echoes oh, yeah. of it in 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 the Heights. Uh, it's just that yeah. In the Heights is now gaining that wider popularity now that it's being made into a film. Uh, yeah, a group yeah. of of uh, my theater friends here in town were talking about going to the the theater to see it since you know a lot of us haven't been to the movie theater in a really long time. But when I got home and realized that it was on HBO uh, Max that I already have. I was like, well, yeah. I can't justify going into the movie theater and paying for paying more money for something that I've already paid money for. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a big fan. I, of, well, anything that celebrates diversity. I, I, I would just say sometimes, sometimes there's those things that I, I think are worth seeing on a bit, like Dune. Uh, Dune is going to be on HBO Max. I am not watching Dune on HBO Max. I'm going to the theater. I think In the Heights would be a theater worthy experience. Personally, okay. but. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you there, but I'll probably watch it on HBO Max first to make sure for myself. Um, but there are other things where, uh, you know, like uh, HBO to having the HBO Max um, streaming service, you know, the movies that premiere in the theater and are shown on HBO Max, you know, they're the one on HBO Max is still free as opposed to. Disney Plus, or um, I think there's a couple of other ones where the movie may also be coming out in the theater, but you have to pay even more than the money you're already paying for the streaming service yeah. to watch the movie. I was like, that's so when the Black Widow movie comes out, uh, I have yeah. Disney Plus, but I'm going to the movie theater to watch Black Widow. Otherwise, you got to wait till October to watch it for free or with <laughs> your subscription. Right, right. right. Yeah, did, I'm not paying for it twice. Did you go to the theater, Paul, or did you see it on HBO? Oh, I saw it on HBO. Okay, but I if if I see it, if, you think it would the be theater worth... around me? I I would I would give a thought to seeing it in the theater. Yeah, I had really considered it because it was a group of theater friends that were all wanting to see the movie, and it was sort of the communal visit to the theater was part of the experience. But I... your money's tight. <laughs> well. That for one, but two, you know, hey, if you have a lot of kids or, you know, sometimes it's hard to get to theater. It's not an anti-theater discussion. It's, and, you know, yeah. I was just going to say in general, like um, uh, Brandon, the guy we do the podcast this morning, he was talking about, um, he went to see Cruella, you know, from Disney, you know, thing mm -hmm. that just came out. And he was saying after his experience in the theater, and nothing to do with COVID or fear or anything. It just there was fees, there was a, it was a pain getting out and all this other stuff. He said maybe I would spend the thirty bucks on Corolla on Disney Plus Enhanced. Like you can 
actually order it to sit there. And it's an interesting concept. I I don't know if I would want to see spend thirty bucks to watch a movie at my house, but I don't know. It's interesting. You know, if you're if you're taking choices. a group of if you're taking a group of seven people like I am, if I'm taking the right. whole family to a movie, thirty bucks is a deal. Yeah, yeah. Now, no. now, if it's just you or you and your wife, you know, maybe that's different. But I don't know. Right. It's interesting. So. But Cruella's not a theater movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not to me, anyway. I know a lot of people who are very, very excited about it. And that's great. It's not for me in that way that I'm going to feel like I have to see it in the movie theater. Let's talk I, about this. I watched oh. The Conjuring Part 5000, whatever. That That's not a theater-worthy movie that's... Like there's some movies you need to see on a big screen. That's not one of them. All right, we need to spend a little bit of time talking about the Steelers. I want to mention this because we talk once a week, and I hate to save this for another week. Did you see a story about the whale? There was like a a fisher guy up in the Cape Cod area. Um, he he wanted to be 2021 Jonah, so I guess he literally got <laughs> swallowed by the whale. Um, you know, it was only. I think it was like 20 minutes, maybe. I mean, it wasn't three days. Um, he didn't talk about religious experience in the story. It just, it was a rare occurrence. He got swallowed by a whale. Apparently his brother was fighting with a whale, I guess, like poking up a stick or something, and the whale burped the guy up. But, man, what a story. I had to read that about five times. It was kind of crazy. Um, any, any thoughts? Uh, on yeah, it's whale creeping guy? me out. Like, you said the story, it just creeps me out. Like the whole the whole thing, the story of Jonah creeps me out. As I well. would need therapy. <laughs> I would need therapy. That's. <laughs> I'm starting to have a little bit of a panic attack right now, just thinking about the quote. Exactly. I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles in his mouth. That right there, oh. that sentence, gives me anxiety. Mm. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not one with the small spaces. I'm a big guy. I don't like the small spaces. <laughs> yeah, and he was talking about. He felt a huge shove. The next thing he knew, it was completely black. Man, nope. uh, I just, mm. yeah, that, that was crazy. And, like, I wonder, so he must have, obviously wasn't digested or he, he wouldn't have been around, but no, no. Maybe it was like pre digestion. I don't know how it works with whales, but it, the, the article goes on to say that uh, he was wearing scuba gear, so he could tell almost immediately that the whale was not into it. <laughs> Obviously, it was shaking. It, it was shaking its head and trying to get rid of him. Like they swallowed something it didn't want to. It's like almost was, right away. Was that because he didn't want to swallow a guy, or was it the scuba gear? I mean, the scuba, scuba gear, gear. Like you just all yeah, of a sudden you've got a painful. giant metal tank in your mouth, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. So I think it, it wanted him out pretty fast. So it only was only in there for thirty or forty seconds, but. So our advice to fishermen up in the Cape Cod area: make sure you got some scuba gear on. You can't be at wearing, least. Good grief! If you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you're well for Whales love that. Stay away from whales. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess there was like was maybe don't just don't was like get a swallowed by a whale. Yeah. How about that? Well, and for all of you people out there, well, I know all you people, but some of you people are like, ah, Bible can't be true. No one could get swallowed by a whale. Hey, that guy, there it is. Yeah, there it is. So, you know where you can't get swallowed by a whale? In a bookstore. Yeah, go to a bookstore. 
Listen, that's his job. Sometimes they have those giant decorations like hanging from the ceiling, almost like the Museum of Natural (laughs) History or whatever. Yeah. You know, that that thing, the front end snaps first and then the back end comes straight down. You get swallowed by that dead whale. Well, at least the guy was a worker. It wasn't like he was a tourist. I mean, that'd be terrifying if it was like, you know, if it was Paul and his kids walking by the ocean, well, the whale comes and eats them. Or well, something, yes you know? and no, because this guy's working, just going about doing his job and got swallowed right. instead of, you know, best on you if this is what you, the, what you like to do with your vacation is go, you know, swim with exotic fish or whatever yeah. else. But you're out there messing with an exotic fish in its place. And when it turns on you, and then bites you or swallows you, I, you know, it's hard to have the same type of, you know, pity for somebody who wasn't messing with an exotic animal. Okay. Well, at yeah. least, <laughs> at least he. I got bit by that. a shark. I was out in the ocean. Right. I was chumming the water with dead fish and blood, and then I got in the water with a shark, okay. and then it bit me. How dare it? So, so you're taking the whale <laughs> side of this. You're you're not. Or you're hoping it's I, I think in this back. case, it's a little scarier because the dude, I don't think, was doing anything and then just got swallowed by a whale. Oh. He was just out there doing his job. So if a tourist is walking around, the tourist is at fault. Tourists walk around away. messing with a whale and then it gets swallowed. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, no, that neighborhood dog that bites those kids. Okay. Yeah, man, those kids are messing with that dog. You just know it. <laughs> you just know it. It's, so Paul, it's not always happen out of nowhere. Kids Paul, do stuff. They throw things. They yell. It's they aggravate animals. When I was growing up, my next door neighbor had there were these kids. It was a perfectly fine. I mean, nothing wrong with the dog. A sweet dog, but there were these kids that would cut through the yard to because they lived on the street behind us, and they came through, tormented the neighbor's dog. The neighbor's dog bit them. They had to get rid of their dog. Unfair. Not fair. Very good. All right. Well, hey, we're, let's transition because, man, we, we're going long, which is good. This has been a good show. I'm I'm really happy to do this with you guys. And, again, you know, Tavares Taylor and Dan Tierney, well done. Uh, but let's um, kind of transition here to our Steelers part of the podcast. And, guys, not a whole lot happened last week, but we got some things we could talk about. Uh, there was an interesting article from our friends at USA Today, the Steelers Wire blog, talking about, hey, um, you know, Pat Fearmuth, um is tight end, highly regarded when you spend a second-round pick on a tight end. You know, hey, you're, you're going to need to play him. You know, you can't just uh, sit on the bench all year. And you saw Eric Ebron. Uh, but, you know, there's some talk that the Steelers might employ Ebron, Fearmuth, and two receivers to go along with Nadja Harris. So who's that guy that's going to get less targets? USA Today is saying, hey, that guy could be Deontay Johnson. Um, they're saying, hey, Johnson had the dropsies at the end of last year. Obviously, you know, Big Ben kind of stuck his neck out for Juju. That's why the Sewers made effort to retain Juju. And, you know, Chase Claypool. If we free Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool could be the next Calvin Johnson. Hopefully they use him more. Do you agree with that? Do you think Deontay Johnson's now our number three? When it comes to receivers, I Tomlin seems to have a mentality of he's going to go with the hot hand. So I think that's going to be Juju's probably solid in his playing time. I think the number two slot's going to ebb and flow throughout the season based on who can actually hold the ball. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's going to be 
whoever starts at that number two slot's going to finish the year at that, that's probably going to fluctuate, would be my guess. I think it's up to Chase Claypool. Can he really make that big step forward? I mean, he's got the potential. He could do it. Does he want to claim that? Um, I think back, I read a book about the Chicago Bulls, and Phil Jackson used to tell him, hey, don't be afraid of greatness. You're great players, you know. Take the mail. Don't just sit there and waste your time. I mean, Joe, what do you think? Uh, you know, uh, it's tough to say because you know you you you're, you know, you feel like there's a finite amount of passes that are going to be made in a year. It may be pretty high because it's Roethlisberger, but uh, that that number is finite. There's only so many passes you can make in a year, so somebody's going to get passes taken away from them. Uh, I think Johnson hasn't done a good job of making the case that he should be the guy who should get more passes because if he caught all the stuff that he got passed last year, we would have won all of the games and he would have had uh, 37,000 yards receiving. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's just madness to think that that guy dropped as much as he did last year. It goes to show a Roethlisberger believes in this guy and knows that B this dude gets open in places that he probably shouldn't because it's not just lightning blazing speed running down the field and getting open. He find ways to get open in the middle of the field and be where Roethlisberger's looking. He's learned that. But if he would catch the ball and not drop it all the time, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Juju would have left town. We would have committed to <laughs> Deontay Johnson as a number one receiver because he's open and available that much, but he's got to catch it. So it's a very simple uh, solution to this problem for him. Hold on to the ball. Yeah. yeah at the man of conference, they showed a promo video of highlights from the past season. And there's a clip of Johnson catching a pass and running. And I leaned to my son. I was like, oh, that was the one time he caught a pass. <laughs> that was the time. That was his <laughs> great catch. And I'm starting to like the stat in the NFL that talks about targets. And, uh, Joe, before you came aboard, I mean, it seemed like Big Ben was throwing a ton to Deontay. Man, weren't we seeing, Paul, wasn't it like 15, 20 targets a game? It was a crazy yeah. number of targets to Johnson. And, you know, to your point, Joe, I think, you know, Big Ben lost confidence in Johnson. That's why, you know, Juju had some games where he was catching two catches for four yards during the year. But it seems like you hear Big Ben talk about Juju a lot more at the end of the year because he had confidence. I mean, for as bad as that Browns loss was, didn't Juju had like what fifteen catches? Some yeah, crazy. He had a really good number of catches and everything. And it seems to say by the end of the year, you know, Big Ben's trust was more in Juju. And I think to Paul's point, it's still going to be a high hand though. You know what I mean? If yeah, Deontay Johnson writes the ship. Maybe Deontay Johnson be number one. But I like the fact that, hey, at least we've got a couple good receivers that could do that. There's other yeah. teams in the NFL, you're like, man, I hope we I have one good I don't even know who you receiver. throw it to, right? Yeah, Steelers. <laughs> Somebody's got to catch it. I don't have the faith in James Washington of that yeah, I would of the top three. But James Washington isn't a bad option either. And now you've got, you know, two tight ends. Hopefully you can catch the ball and you got Najee Harris, who, although he likes to run the ball, he said, "Hey, I consider myself a receiver." So you think? So yeah, Najee's going to go out for a lot of passes this year. So we've got options. Hopefully, we can go with the high hand. I mean, mm -hmm. as long as they I win, think, 
Yeah, I think part of Johnson's problem is uh, I think Juju is wired to be the guy who can catch the four yard pass and turn it. Uh, he's not afraid yeah. to grind that. I don't think Johnson has the the wiring of I'm going to catch this knowing that there's a linebacker. I can feel his breath on my neck. Um, I don't think that's the scenario that Johnson thrives with, and I think that's part of a lot of his drops. Uh, Funny he's, you say that. He I wants think to run catch it. I was just reading uh, a stat that was talking about uh, 16 drops, 14 of them were under five yards from the line of scrimmage. And that really could be a, a mental game of trying to turn, taking your eyes off the ball and trying to turn and not get leveled by a linebacker that that's easily understandable, but then you got to figure out a way to put him into places where he's going to work the best. Uh, I think Claypole is your guy, your your big guy with the with the speed. That if you start utilizing him more as that deep threat, letting Juju run some of these crossing routes that he's really good at doing, then it might open up some mid range stuff for for Deontay to do instead of being the short guy. Uh, and you have those two tight ends who can handle those two yard passes as well to let them be the underneath. I think maybe utilizing them in a different way might help that. Yeah, because I mean, knowing you're going to get tackled by a safety or a cornerback is one thing. Knowing that you're going to get tackled, by, I mean, linebackers are a little crazy. Um, knowing you're going to get no, hit by a linebacker—that's a, a different. <laughs> not a little, a lot crazy. Yeah. They're the people that sign up to be in a car crash as the wall. I want to be the wall <laughs> in the car crash. I'm looking at our schedule on. Topics two and three, we can address next week. I mean, they're, you know, I feel we could talk about, like, one's about Bill Coward's new book. I, I think we need to address yeah, that. But we, we, we can talk about that in a future week. And all-time Steelers, you know, that's a throwaway topic. We can that's talk about any time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to mention this before we go because. Oh, boy. You're going to stoke the fire yeah, with this one. We need, to, we need to talk off camera about another issue, which is good news. It's going to be good news for everybody. It's not bad. Paul's not going to yell at us. It's, it's a good news thing that's happening. We have to talk about offline real quick. Uh, but, yeah, okay, so Le'Veon Bell. I don't know what no. Le'Veon Bell was thinking. Um, uh, no, you know, the answer was nothing. Well, there was an injury with the Chiefs. Uh, Hilaire, their top running back, he was struggling a little bit. So I bring Le'Veon Bell in. Now, I naively picked him up for my fantasy team in hopes that Hilaire went down with injury and Le'Veon could lead me to a fancy title, but that's another story. It did not help you. Why is he – so now he's Matt Andy Reid. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking when he came to Kansas City. I mean, in essence, he played like he should. He had some carries. He was thinking ring. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they didn't do it. But they, like participation trophy ring. He was going to get a Super Bowl <laughs> ring as a participation trophy, as a guy who watched it, who did exactly the same thing as every Kansas City fan was doing. Was was his hope that he was going to get more touches? Apparently. Apparently yeah. he had uh, he, he was pretty pretty certain that he was going to come in and take over that team and it would be yep. the Kansas City Le'Veon Bells before the Knowing the his season. mentality, it, his vision was – Mahomes, who Kelsey, who you know, it was going to be the Le'Veon Bell show, and it was none not. of us figured that was going to happen. <laughs> and no. he did some things for the Chiefs, like he wasn't 
a mess. But his stats weren't like, oh my goodness, you know, we need to see him forty carries a game. You know, Nine, ninety-nine yards for the season. Yeah, he didn't even have a hundred yards on the season. Well, I mean, he was just limited. I mean, he had some sure positive carries. I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I. And is it good that we just put Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown to bed? I mean, I mean, we're still talking about. This I wish I could. I want to. Well, I wish both at, of them would understand what they had. And this isn't even, even a Steelers thing. I wish that either of them understood what they were a part of and appreciated being a part of something instead of being the whole thing. Yep. I understand. Ben probably was not the guy who was good at being that leader that helped them understand that. And maybe Tomlin's hands off let him play kind of uh, coaching style, fed that a little bit too much. But both of these dudes do not understand that they are part of a team sport. Yeah. Both of them think it's about them, and both of them have suffered every day since they stopped wanting to play for the Steelers. Every day. And, you know, some of you out there might think, well, Antonio Brown won the Super Bowl. What do you have to do to get there? What type of damage all of the, is going all to do to his career? All of the pay cuts, yeah. all of the, the reduction in <clears throat> in passes, in touches. The, oh, my gosh. I mean, he it's had two. Just, it's crazy. He had two seasons where he didn't play that much. And, you know, could that hurt a Hall of Fame candidate later or whatever the case might be? Yeah, I mean, Tony Brown's to the top of the heap, and he is coming back for Tampa Bay next year, and Tampa Bay is going to be a good team next year. But he's still not going to be their number one. And he's still not going to be happy because he's not their number one. But he's never going to be the number one. He's never going to be anybody's number one again. And it's just like, what do you have to do to his career to get there? I mean, you know, with Pittsburgh, he was getting 100 plus catches a year. I mean, just think if he had. Like, what more do you want? Well, if it, but what I'm saying is, if he was with Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, or whoever, and just playing normally, right. I mean, you're losing at least 200 catches off your career totals because right. you screwed around for a couple of years, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not getting those catches anymore. He's not right. that guy for Tampa Bay. He wasn't that guy for uh Oakland. Or, I, I for, or for New England. I but also him. there's all the other nonsense that's still going on with him, right. the ongoing <laughs> stuff like oh my word. Well, and you know. But then Bell sit out for a year because that's gonna that always works well for people who can only really work until they're <laughs> 35. That's probably a good idea to just sit out for fun. Well, and I tell you, running back, you're not guaranteed a long career as a running back. No. No. And he took less money to leave. It wasn't even about money. Well, and that's what you're seeing, even with Najee Harris. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, he signed his rookie contract. I mean, he's under, what's it, four or five years. But there is some talk that, hey, if he breaks out and has a great year, you know, they could come back to the Steelers and say, hey, buddy, you know, you need to pay us. You know, if if he's you know, say he had like a fifteen hundred yard year or something like that, you know, you know, they may say, look, we don't want him to be under that rookie contract for the next four or five years. Just look at a running back. Look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what's he twenty nine thirty? Well, as it's well, as it stands, you know? as it stands, I would love to be in the Pittsburgh's uh, uh, seat in that in that negotiation. Hey, you remember a guy named Le'Veon Bell? Well, I don't. It'll be interesting. Yeah. 
Well, and that's why, man, if you're a young football player, do you really want to play running back? Man, running no. back, it's no. not it's not and I'm not defending Le'Veon Bell. I think linemen, saying, linemen might be worse, but I don't yeah. not by much. I mean, it, it stinks to be a running back because you're I mean, right. It's one thing to sign up to be the wall, but the, the other the other bad spot is to be the car. <laughs> you're signing yeah. up for a car crash every well, day. And I understand what Le'Veon's saying, but I definitely understand like you made a good point. You know, where where these NFL teams have the hammer, they could say, Hey buddy. You know, well, especially the Steelers. Like we have case in point where this is what we're talking about. Especially any any over the past maybe eight years, maybe ten years, great running backs who get so full of themselves and start listening to the sports commentators about how great they are, think they can chase the Bucks and go somewhere else, or go to the place where uh, they think they're going to win a Super Bowl. Most of the time. They go after money, which is the dumbest thing to do, but most of the time that's what happens. Uh, they always go to somewhere where they have a crap line so the team thinks they got to pay somebody more money to be the running back, and it never works. Right. Great, great running backs go to terrible teams with no offensive line and do terrible, and their career is over. They were first ballot Hall of Famers in their first city. Go down the list of the Cowboys running backs who then went somewhere else. Uh, and they end up somewhere else where they become just beat down. And then they end up as the third running back on a, you know, on a two running back team. And I got to say, too, it was happening definitely before Le'Veon Antonio. Absolutely. Antonio Absolutely. Antonio but he Brown. just felt he just made the exact same mistake that all of these other people made. He's and look at. Look at a team like the Rams. When they had the greatest show on turf, you had arguably the best quarterback, the best running back, and the best receiver in the game. You were making Super Bowls, you know, that way. And that's what the Rams did. Now, the Rams didn't win a ton of Super Bowls, but they were right in the conversation. Pittsburgh, now, I know we didn't have as good of a defense back then, but still, something was holding them back. And, and you know, I, I think we're seeing now what it is when you look at Brown and Bell's attitude, you know. Right. Hopefully Harris, I mean, uh, he can come, his agent can come back. If he, let's say he leads the league in rushing this year. If I'm the Steelers, I still come back and say, Peyton Hillis, do it again. And then we'll talk. (laughs) Let's put you on the cover of Madden and let's see what happens next year. (laughs) You got to check it out. Um, Madden had a – I'm not sure if it made TV or if it was just a web video. Uh, they released a web video announcing that their cover athlete is going to be announced the 17th. So that's, what, Thursday. And Peyton Hillis was featured in the promo. Kind of a little nice. big of Peyton Hillis. <laughs> yes. Bravo to Peyton Hillis. Please for put Tom of- Brady on it. Please put well, Tom Brady on it, please. Bravo to Peyton Hillis for being self-deprecating. It's fantastic. I got to tell you. Peyton Hillis, I tried having him on the show, and I think this is before either one of you guys were on it. He said he would, and he never showed up. So oh, I'm kind man. of a stand of Peyton Hillis. I did send him a DM because he's following me on Twitter. And I said, hey, Peyton, you want to come by? No response. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just think it's a real bad look for, uh, for Le'Veon. I think a guy who doesn't have a team really shouldn't walk around uh, blasting all of his former uh, former homes and former bosses. I just think it's, it's bad. It's bad business at the very least. 
because you know every one of those guys, you know, all have a tree of people that they work with that they're going to like that coach or that place better than they like Le'Veon Bell. Kansas City did not lose the Super Bowl because they didn't give Le'Veon Bell enough touches. They lost it because a lot was of no, because suddenly there was no O line. Right, right. And that's what happened. And so, I mean, and that goes back to everything that I say about all these great, great quarterbacks. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is the the second coming of uh, all of football. Yes, look what he looks like when he plays for a team that doesn't have an O line. Yes. He looks like every one of the other quarterbacks that came out who now play for teams that don't have an O-line. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks for checking out our Steelers podcast. Um, hey, if you tuned in earlier, thanks for checking in with our uh, the review show. I don't know what we're calling it anymore, but, guys, <laughs> we'll talk about this in our meeting after. We might as well call it the kitchen sink because now it, it's got yeah. everything. But I, I gotta tell you, we I talked enjoyed- race relations, we talked education in America, we talked Vaximilian, yeah, we talked Steelers buttons, buttons and stickers, and but you know, I love that. I, I always enjoy talking to you guys about this stuff, but I love having smart people on to do that. And you know, Dan Tierney, he's a he's a press secretary for a politician. You know, say what you want. But I, I thought Tierney had some really great points. And Absolutely. Man, man Tavares Taylor. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Seriously. I mean, that was a great conversation. I we love can't, that. Yeah, we can't do eight-hour podcasts, but I'm about ready to, to do that. So, guys, thanks for well, checking out. Let me just – Oh, yeah. I, I feel like please. I have to intervene just to, to clear the record. From what I'm hearing, Dwayne Haskins in a pair of shorts and a hoodie – with no pressure on him or anything, looked really good. So I, I got to give props that with no expectations, no pressure, nothing, he looked good. So I'll just put that out there. Listen, they talked a little bit about some of the other guys around the league who have come in and been a part of OTAs, you know, who had, you know, credentials and were high draft picks and whatever else who came in who did not have, who just lacked the ability to grasp a playbook and that was their weakness. That's not Haskins and he's working hard. So that's step one. It's OTAs. We got time. What I hate about OTAs is all of the stories are flowery unless somebody comes in and like beat somebody, you know, if Dwayne Haskins came in and slapped Mike Tomlin across the face. Yeah. You'd write about that. But if you don't, everyone's writing flowers. That's a way to start your career on a team. Just walk up to the head coach and slap him across the face. Right, but but what I'm saying is, unless something crazy (laughs) like that happens, it's all, oh my goodness, you know, Zach Gentry looked great in the offseason, and he looks like Rob Gronkowski. Hey, it's great. You know what I mean? There's all these stories talking about how everyone's going to be fantastic and (laughs) You know, you don't hear fun. the article where some of the right. some of the players are going, "Ooh, Ben don't look so good. This ain't <laughs> this ain't good." Well, unless His the arm fell off at practice and nobody right. said anything. Well, you don't read that unless the guy literally is hobbling around practice, like you know, right. if Ben has a walker and he's like doing that on the field, then they're like, "Oh, he has a walker." That's like a it's all flowery. He's been crap. playing a lot of he we've been running a lot of plays in the shotgun. But Ben's in a wheelchair, right? Yeah, unless so I don't, it happens. I don't know if that's a good sign. I got to run real quick, but I'll I'll catch up to you later. <laughs> that's <cool>. all right. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, sounds good. Well, let's end this. 
Um, seriously, we got some news uh, during the show that we're going to have to talk about. It's a good thing. Uh, you might hear us different places. We'll just put like that. I don't know. It's just breaking news. It's weird when you get breaking news about your show while you're recording the show. And literally, I was like, dude, we're recording we'll a show. They'll, they'll, they'll hear about it in time. It's fine. Yeah. Hey, it's good. So, yeah, let's end that. And um, Paul had to leave, but Joe and I can talk. Thanks for checking out our show. I enjoyed the last two hours immensely. We'll be back next Monday, I think, and we'll be talking more. Have a good day, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.